This is Beth in Vancouver, Canada. You're listening to I Love This, You Should Too with Indy Randawa and Samantha Hees. Welcome back to I Love This, You Should Too, a podcast. That's Indy Randawa. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Hi. And you are? I'm Samantha. Welcome back to uh, our post episode for Rent, the musical slash movie. Today, we are going to be talking all about Rent. And I always say that we're going to be doing spoilers in these episodes, but I don't know if you have to put up a spoiler warning for Rent. You either know it or you're not gonna watch it it's I feel like. true it's true and i feel like if you're listening to this podcast you are faithful and you have watched it yeah or you probably know it or you know it so well that you don't need to watch it a lot of people know rent it's rare for me to uh to come across like a a big piece of pop culture that everybody knows and i don't but rent was definitely that blind spot for me interesting well now you've seen it yes and i'm really excited also kind of terrified because of our difference in movie loves, but uh, I'm excited to hear what you think. So first off, as is the title of the podcast, I love this, but did you? I'm going to give a bit of a long answer. Okay, I'm ready. Rent, as I understand it and see it, is a cultural touchstone. It was something that was very big at its time and very representative of the time. Mm Mm-hmm. Does it stand on its own as a musical? I'm not entirely sure. Okay. Is it a good movie? I don't think so. I don't think this is a good movie. It's very flawed in a number of ways. All that being said, I kind of like it. Yes! I like it despite all the things that I see. Okay. There's so many things wrong with it. So many things I think that could be made better. And I'm going to complain a lot throughout this episode. And it's going to sound like I'm, I really hate the movie. But in the end, I kind of like it. Hmm. It's not a glowing review of I love it like you, but I, I liked it. It was fun and I got into it. Okay. Okay. So would it surprise you to know that this movie cost $40 million? No. But it only made... Th- million back. That makes sense. It's not a good movie. I think it's like what you said where there are people who are like we said last episode where we said there was like people who know Rent and they are going to go see it no matter what. And Mm -hmm. I think it doesn't appeal to people who have never seen Rent before. And also. And have no interest in it. They're not exactly uh, striking while the iron's hot. Because Rent was in its heyday in 96. 96 through 2000? Yeah, it came out 95. It did its tests in like 1994 and it came out on Broadway in 95. So, so you think 95... 10 years later. 95 through maybe 99 was the real yeah. the real height of it. Yeah. And yeah, it's 10 years later. So I think even when it came out, it was already dated. It was, it was already yeah. fighting against that. And I guess it shows in the box office because I'm not surprised it didn't do well because it's not all that good. <laughs> Movie-wise. Movie-wise. Yeah. Interesting. 
I can see where it's very dated and where they tried to make it very true to like when it came out in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it is very 90s fashion. It's very late 80s, early 90s. Um, we said last episode that it takes over, over 1989 to 1990. So it, it's over the course of a year. It's very... They try really hard to make it very late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, and I don't mean it's dated in the sense of like, look at everything, look so 90s. But a lot of the creative choices seem mired in that time. Mm-hmm. And it's not to its benefit. Because we see a lot of movies that are great that come out and really capture a time. Yeah. And you see something and you're like, oh, it just felt like the 70s, the music, the clothes, and it was great. And this one, you're like, yeah, it really felt like the 90s, but not in a good way. Yeah. It felt like the the troubles that everyone was dealing with are not just very 90s, but it seemed really like a movie executive or someone who was like rich and not quite into things. Yeah. Projecting what they thought like young bohemian artists are dealing with in the 90s. It's very true. I read an article that said like rent... Like, the characters, the main characters of Rent read, like, gentrification. Yes, absolutely. It's something that came out, I think, in the last three or four years. So, like, 2017 to now, which is 2019 now. So, it's, I think it really, it does, it's very, it reads very privileged. It reads very, like, we're struggling, but we don't need to be, and we probably get bailed out by our parents all the time. Yeah, because uh, there's a few times where we see people's parents who are very well off and yes. willing to throw them elaborate parties and everything like that. Like at um, at Maureen and... Uh, the engagement party. At the engagement party. At yeah. um, Maureen and Joanne's engagement party. Yes. Clearly, it's at like a country club. So clearly, Joanne's parents are very well off, but then Maureen's parents also look very well off. Yeah. Um, so it's really interesting that they are struggling like they are. I mean, Joanne doesn't seem like she's struggling. She's a lawyer. She's yes. a corporate lawyer. Um, but Maureen struggles purposefully, it seems like, through the entire film. Yeah, it seems like being impoverished or at least having the appearance and kind of trying to live that life, the characters wear as a badge of honor. Yes. It's not that they're overcoming their these struggles. It's that they live specifically for these struggles. Yes. And... This movie was really conflicting for me because, like, I like to think of myself as, like, a, a real socialist. And then I'm watching this movie and I'm like, wow, these, uh, the real estate developers kind of have the right idea. And everyone else is just, like, a privileged asshole. <laughs> there were a bunch of parts in the movie where it felt like characters on the screen were talking to the filmmakers or the writer there's that one instance when uh, Mark is filming a homeless woman. Yes. And she's like, I'm not here for your amusement. What, you're just going to make a take a little video of me? And, mm-hmm. uh, and I feel like that's what she is saying to the director and the writer as well. Because all these characters are here to like, yeah, look at the struggle. Yeah. Down with the man. And they really embody that. And it makes me wonder if a bunch of this stuff was intentionally ironic or not. Because even at one point when um, later on when Benny is telling them that, yes, here's all your stuff back. Let's get a photo of this. Put it in your movie. And yes. they're like, we're not here for your amusement. Yes. But Mark was the one that was taking video of people Of someone like who was struggling constantly. and trying to like profit off of and that. And then he does his, his little video 
Um, I know we're kind of jumping to the end here, but we his are. little <laughs> video, which was terribly titled uh, Today, Today for you, you, the number four, the letter but that's U. A, that's a throwback to Angel's song Today for You, Tomorrow for Me. I get that. Yeah. That's that's fine. Then spell it out. But it just seems like I'm a uh, 19-year-old film student. I put the number four and the letter U in there because I'm edgy. And look, look, I have a shot of a homeless person. It's through the spokes of a bike. Like, I've met these film students. <laughs> and I wonder if that is intentionally ironic. And I don't think it is. And I think that's where the movie and the story itself are at its weakest. Fair. That's fair. You know what? Um, I kind of got carried away and started getting into things. Yes. We always start off with our favorite and least favorite parts. Should we backtrack and do that? Let's backtrack. Okay. So um, what was your favorite part of the movie? So like I said, I've been trashing it, but ultimately I kind of like the movie. Mm -hmm. So my favorite part were those few moments. There weren't a lot of them. I wish there were more where I would get lost in a song and caught up in these characters. Mm -hmm. And I'd kind of forget this. I'd forget all these problems that I have with the movie. I'd forget how a lot of it doesn't really make sense, how the motivations are kind of all over the place. And I'd get lost in a story usually between two characters. And I feel like that's when they let the Broadway shine. Because right. Broadway, like theater in general or dance or like shows, you're really supposed to get lost in it, right? Like you're not supposed to be thinking about how uncomfortable your seat is. You're not supposed to be thinking about how hungry or how much you wish you had another drink. Like you're supposed to get lost in it completely. And I feel like that this is one of those movies where you can get lost in those songs in those moments. And I think that when they really let the songs in the moments shine is when you really get sucked into it. Absolutely. On a live production, we are kind of more willing to do that, yes. to suspend disbelief, Absolutely. because it's a less automatically immersive environment mm -hmm. than a film is, because the film is putting us right in there. We don't have the artifice of the of the stage. Yes. Yeah, we'll talk about that later, too. But this being a movie does not take advantage of the format at all, I no. think. And there are some moments, like you said, that you really get sucked in, but yeah. I think that they tried too hard to make it into a movie. Or I feel like they didn't try hard enough. I feel like if you're going to do, if you're going to make the choices that Chris Columbus made on this, uh, the director, why not just have a live production and just film that whole thing? Film that thing. Which is what you said when we first started watching it. When yeah. they're singing um, 5,000, 2,500, 600 minutes, which is how many minutes are in a year. Yeah. Um, What's the next song? Is that what the name of the song? No. I thought it's called Seasons of Love. It's called Seasons of Love. But they're singing that and they're on a stage, which I think he's just trying to call back to the fact that it is a stage production. Because that's how Rent starts. Yeah. Um, With the light. Again, I'm going to get uh, distracted. But that scene, that's a terrible way to start a movie. Yes, I agree. We all know that this is a Broadway production. I don't think anyone's coming into this going like, oh, what's, why is it on stage? They know that that's where it comes from. Yeah. But by starting it like that, you're throwing us right into it. If you're assuming that we don't know the production and that's why you're showing it on stage to pay homage to where it came from, then you're also throwing us into the story and these characters that we don't know about at all. True. It's a very awkward place to start. And it also focuses a lot on Joanne. Is that her name? Joanne, yes. Joanne, who's not a focus of the movie at all. Not a huge focus. No, she's very much like, like sixth a, in line, maybe. Si yeah, sixth in line is a good way to put it. Because she is a supporting character to two of the main characters. Yeah, but Maureen in that, she gets the spotlight. So yes. I was thinking that, oh, this is going to be, she's the main character of this movie. If you look at that first scene, you get thrown right into it and you think that this is the main character. And she's not at all. 
also the way she emoted in that first scene. She was and the like way doing she moves all her those arms and everything. Yeah, you really you made a comment me. about that. You said you didn't like it. I think I laughed audibly. You and did. it's a bad way to start the movie. Yes. I felt like seeing it again, I didn't get into the movie until um until Mimi sings Light My Candle. That's when it really kind of sucks you in. And you like I felt like I I was in the moment then. Up until then, it was kind of just like setting the scene. And it was a long time to set the scene because that's like 20 minutes worth of music. Yeah. So what was your favorite part of the movie? I'm going to go by song because that's how I first learned Rent. Like I learned the whole soundtrack and then saw the movie. Right. So I think my favorite songs are Out Tonight, uh, Another Day, and um, I'll Cover You. I don't know what any of those songs are. <laughs> so Out Tonight is when Mimi's singing in the strip club. Okay, yeah. And she's talking about like being a feline and in heat. And like, and then she goes and it continues on into the and street. And then she goes and sings to Roger when right. she gets yep. there. And then he follows up with Who Do You Think You Are? So it actually goes into I'll Cover You, which is kind of like a love ballad where they're both kind of singing about the same thing. Roger and Mimi? Roger and Mimi are both singing about the same thing and they're very conflicted because neither knows that the other has AIDS. Right. So they're like, I can't be with you because I don't want to infect you, which is kind of like an underlying theme of the movie is you can't have the things you want because you have AIDS. That one, it was confusing for me because so often the characters that develop the plots progress through the song. Yes. Yet in that one, they don't seem to be able to hear each other. No. So then later on when they find out, it's a big deal. But I assume that they had known this whole time because mm-hmm. they said it, they sang it to each other. The effect of the songs is not consistent. No. Sometimes the other like actors can hear. Yes. Sometimes they can't. I mean, Roger was standing on the balcony overlooking the street that Mimi was singing on with the other characters. Yeah. And sometimes people are shocked when they get up and sing. Yes. And then sometimes it's like, yeah, we all just get up and sing. Like in the support group. Yeah. Everyone just gets up and sings in harmony and knows all the words. Yeah. And then there's the one time during a Tango Maureen where yes. they start tangoing together And you suspend disbelief because it's a musical and people can just start dancing like that. Yes. But then the other half of the song is in Mark's dream. And then that didn't really happen. But why would it need to not exist? Because there's a certain level of understood magical realism in musicals. Yes. So by them going back and forth like this, it's confusing, unnecessarily confusing. It's true. And I agree. I think that that is one of my least favorite scenes. Um, But we'll talk about that in a minute. So my other favorite, so um, Out Tonight and Another Day kind of go together because they're like one continuous scene. Um, but I'll cover you with um, with Angel and uh, and Tom Collins. Yeah, his name's Tom Collins. He's the only <laughs> one that says his last name. So I guess he they does, know that yeah. that's like a funny it's name. It's like ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I think he uses it as like a, like a way to break it up. Um I really enjoy that because they are coming to terms with the fact that they're both gay, they both have AIDS, and they're like, they really like each other. Mm-hmm. And it's so like, it's such a freeing scene and I enjoy the like the levity and the loviness of it. Loviness is probably not the right way to put nope, it. No, that's but, the right one. Okay. So I really enjoy them dancing around. It looks like the like the sidewalk in front of Central Park. And they're they're dancing and they're talking about how they're going to be, you know, what the other one needs. And it's just really lovely. 
And um, I've seen some really good karaoke versions of it. And I really, every time I get like emotional about it. So um, I really love it. Those two actors, um, the actor who played Angel, uh, who was Wilson Germain Heredia, um, won a Tony for his portrayal on Broadway of Angel. And then he went on to play it in the movie. Um, and then Tom Collins. He's like a big TV actor, I know. He is a big TV actor. Um, Jesse L. Martin. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was also from the cast of Broadway. The cast on Broadway. Right. So it was really nice to see these two people who had played these parts on Broadway. Like you could really tell that they knew these parts and they knew how to play it. And it was really genuine. And I really enjoyed it. So do you want to talk about our least favorite parts now? Do you have a least favorite part? Yeah. Um, but I, I guess I should mention, like, uh, what's the name? L. Martin. Um, Tom Collins. Mm-hmm. When he sings... Jesse L. Martin. He needs more to do mm-hmm. in this movie because he was fantastic. And that was, if you're listening at home, that was Sam's once per episode, mm-hmm, into, <laughs> into a wine, a wine class. Because <laughs> although we drink beer while we're recording, wine is, like, one of my favorites to drink. Um and I also usually have a box of wine in the fridge, so <laughs> it's easier to get to than the beer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I agree. He he was great during Angel's funeral scene in the church. That was maybe my favorite. and he does like he just goes for it and he does the belting. He does absolutely everything. I think he should have been singing the parts that um, Joanne was singing during the opening song. Absolutely, he should have been singing every song because he was better than oh, everyone he's there. fantastic and um but the sad thing is it took me two hours into the movie to realize that yes and of course when it usually those times when i did get lost in a song it was often him or angel usually the two of them together yes they are they're the best part they are they are very much the best part and um they both are so very talented yeah. but on the other side least favorite parts I'd heard recently people referring to it as a rock opera, not just a musical. And I think that is what I like the least. So what's the difference between a rock opera and a musical? I just meant that there are times in this when the music isn't what we normally associate with a musical. It's much more uh, heavier drums, electric guitars. Right. And the singer, uh, Roger, I don't know the actor's name, but Roger is... Adam Pascal. I'm sure he's very talented, and I'm sure his voice is great for a lot of things. It really annoyed me pretty much every time he sang. Really? Because it would always be this really abrasive counterpoint. Like when he's singing with Mimi, he's kind of singing at her and against her, and she would have kind of normal, more orchestral almost music, and then his would come in and would have this guitar. And I don't know what it was, but to me, so much of the music didn't seem like it was being played by an instrument. It seemed like the backing track at a karaoke bar or like a MIDI track or something. Absolutely, yeah. The guitars sounded weird, and it all just sounded like generic, bad 90s rock filtered through a musical theater major. His voice was definitely more suited to be a a rock and roll singer, but... Mm -hmm. It doesn't work for me, and he just sounds like a like a shitty Bon Jovi. So I think that that is part of 
his character, though. Yeah, it absolutely is. He is very much the struggling artist. He struggles the entire year of... To write a single song. To write a single song that doesn't... And they make fun of it at the beginning that doesn't sound like Musetta's waltz. Yeah. So... Like, it's very... Like, they make fun of him for being very bad at what he's trying to be. And I think that that is part of the reason why he isn't, like... um, He's not as good a singer as, like, Angel or Tom is because he's kind of shitty at it. And he's just, like, maybe wrote one really good song and then now he's trying to, like, catch up to that. Uh, Who knows if he ever wrote one really good song? Well, and and we don't. Yeah. So I think that the part of the reason that he's not as good at singing or acting or whatever is because he is not supposed to be as successful as everyone else. I... I can't buy that. None of these people are supposed to be successful at all. None of them are singers at all. He's the only one that's supposed to be a singer. Oh, him and Maureen, I guess. Maureen, yeah. We'll talk about that later. But I can't get on board to say like, oh, he's not successful in the movie, so he's allowed to not be a good singer. This is a musical. Everyone's supposed to be great. And I don't think he's a bad singer. I think the stylistic choices by the writer and... Did the um, the creator did he, I assume he did the music as well? But whoever did the music along with the writer, they went for something. They went for uh, like a '90s rock theme, and that's what they were going for. And I just don't like it. That's I can fair. see a lot of people saying like, "Oh yeah, it's cool. It's like grunge, but it's like garbage grunge." And it's I didn't care for it. So he is one of the original Broadway actors. Yes. And I don't know. I I would imagine he'd have to be because or else there's no reason to have someone that old doing it. It's true. You were saying in the last episode that everyone is aged and they have. They're but... they're all 10 years. They're all 15 years too old for what they're playing. That's fair. That's fair. They're all supposed to be like mid 20s, late 30s or early 30s. And it's very. Some of them are supposed to be teenagers. Well, Mimi's supposed to be a teenager. Yeah. And the rest, I think, because they're talking about how they were just in university, like, right before this. Yes. And I'm assuming they're not doing doctorates except for Tom Collins. And Joanne, maybe? Yeah. Well, Joanne went to law school. So we assume that she is at least, like, seven or eight years out of school. Yeah. So she's allowed to be the age she is. So, like, I totally get that that is your least favorite part. That's fair. What's your least favorite part? So I love... Idina Menzel. Love her. I think you might be blinded by your love for her. <laughs> but. Oh, no, you're going to. Oh, this is my least favorite part. I'm so excited to hear this. Um, So the over the moon protest part, I wasn't feeling well while we were watching it, but I got up so that I didn't have to watch it. It's very cringy. It is the cringiest part of this movie. Like, there are parts of the movie that I maybe don't enjoy, like the first 20 minutes of it or 10 minutes of it or whatever the first three songs are. Yes. But First two songs. The first two songs. But Over the Moon, I cannot sit through it. So I was going to ask you, because I have a lot to say about that too, is that piece and her character supposed to be ironic? No. Are we supposed to, is it all like tongue in cheek of like, look at this parody of a terrible performance artist? Because that's what I got. And then at first I was kind of on board because they were making fun of all these things that they are kind of supporting. But then I wondered, like, I don't think they're in on the joke. I think they are the joke. 
Yes. But I, I'm sure people out there will will read it as like, oh, no, they were making fun of it. It was all tongue in cheek. She's supposed to be terrible in this. But if it is, it, everything else in this movie is done with such earnest passion that if this was supposed to be ironic, there's nothing preparing us for that. And it doesn't read as ironic other than the fact that it's not good. It's true. And I agree with you on that. Um Part of the reason I find it so cringy is because I can't find that balance between, like, parody and seriousness. They're, like, I've never, ever, from the first time that I saw this, enjoyed that scene. Do you, like, are you as uncomfortable during it as I am? When it first started, I was laughing because I thought it was pretty clever and satirical. And then I realized I think it's in all earnestness, mm-hmm. and then it was uncomfortable. So I didn't actually see you until the end of it because I got up and like left, left, yeah. And I so I didn't actually see your reaction to it, which I kind of regret. But I was also not feeling good, so I I got up and left the room, and uh, and I came back for the end of it, and it was still just as cringy as I remember it being. Yeah, and I did laugh a lot in this movie. Sometimes I think. It maybe annoyed you because you thought I was laughing at it. But there's a few, I know a few times I was, but many times I was laughing because I was kind of just enjoying it, but yeah. in a fun way. Yeah. Like in the song, is it called Everything is Rent? No, it's called It's rent. called Rent, 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 Rent. It's called Rent, 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 Rent. No, it's so just called Rent. Once. At one point, they say, <laughs> Rent, 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 Rent. At the and end. before I had ever seen this i've been kind of making up songs and singing them around the house and i would sing just that and then to see it actually happen on stage (laughs) you were so excited it's as silly (laughs) as i think it is but that song however as silly as it was i really bought in i was having a lot of fun with that one (laughs) everything is rent 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 i that's the one that goes like we're we're not not gonna gonna pay pay rent (laughs) I thought that was a lot of fun. And this is why we don't have a singing podcast. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, you can actually sing. I cannot. I I try. I also know this soundtrack so well that I could probably just like, I'm a good mimic. That's what I figured out the last time. I was in one musical as an adult because it was my like dream to do it. And I got it kind of out of my system. But um, I, I discovered that unless I know the soundtrack really well, I can't. Right. I can't do it. So you had a lot of reactions during this. Yeah, and this one was a little different because often when we're watching one of these movies, we'll do it pretty much in silence and we'll take notes and stuff. Yes. This one we were much lighter on. I never checked my phone during movies, but this one I did a few times. Did you? Yeah. I noticed like once or twice, but yeah. I don't but count. But that's, that's a lot I for me. I don't count like you count how well, many you, times. You check your phone a lot more. Because the songs were so long, you could kind of miss bits and pieces and it was fine. It's true. Right? It's true. And because of that, we were talking a little bit during it as well. And this is a conversation we've had in many movies before, and it's coming up again in this one. At one point, I said something about how I like Tay Diggs, and you said, oh, which one is he, the villain? And I said, no, he's Benny. (laughs) So let's talk about Benny the villain. So I may have misspoke when I said that. No, but he's not not, not necessarily because he's definitely positioned as the villain. He's very much positioned as and I think I just wasn't like thinking about all the things that I know about Benny is that he very much the entire time tries to 
going back to the beginning of Benny, which we get throughout the movie, is that Benny used to live with them and he married for money and now he's married into this family that actually owns the building. Yeah. Can I give a little synopsis of who Benny is and what he does? So Benny um, has been letting them stay there for a year for free. But now he's saying, hey, guys, you have to pay because we're going to turn this place into a virtual studio. (laughs) So like they don't actually need the building. That's the very 90s thing (laughs) that I don't mind is all those 90s things that would just throw computer words in there. And and it's like, yeah, it makes sense. 3D, actual reality. Yeah. Oh, they say actual reality a few times, too. I don't know what that means. Fight AIDS. Yeah. But um, (laughs) so he's going to make a studio there. So he says, oh, you should pay rent. And they're like, no, fuck you. We're going to set things on fire instead. And he's like, okay, yeah, that's cool, guys. But um, never mind. <laughs> so how about uh, you can live here for free still and you can make art in the studio that I provide for you and you'll get paid for it. Yes. And they're like, fuck you, Benny. And he We're said they're also going to have like condos upstairs that are going to pay for them to yeah. live down there. Yeah. And they are disgusted by this. And it's really troubling for me with the beliefs that I have to choose the side of uh, like a real estate mogul over artists, but really they're jerks. And this um, is like a friend of theirs. Yes. This is well, someone... not anymore. Well, not anymore because so then... he married for money. Yeah. But we don't know that he married for money. He married into money. He married for money. Do we know that they're not in love? Well, I don't know that it's they're not in love, but it says like it's a very commonly known thing in the the rent script that he married uh. up into money. But so I missed rent when it was a big thing. And there's a lot of things that are just kind of understood about the movie because, well, that's just the way it is. If you ask anybody who's a big fan of Rent, they'll be like, you were initially, who's the villain? Oh, it's Benny. He's terrible. He does all these terrible things. True. You don't actually look at what's happening on screen. And because I'm coming coming to this very fresh, I just see what's here and I don't get a lot of those things. Uh, then at the end, Benny comes back and says, here's all your stuff. You guys can live here for free. And they're like, oh, we can stay now? What, we're a charity case? Fuck you. And like, what do, what do they want from him? Yeah. What do they actually want? The characters, like the two, three main characters in this movie, what do they want? I don't know. It seems like they're worried that they're not going to be as hardcore and artistic if they accept the fact that they get to live there for free. I guess but Which I that like plays like satire. It would make me more artistic if I didn't have to think about bills and like paying our mortgage and but like, they do live there for free now they want to live there for free but yeah, they but don't want like, him to let like them live there for dodging free. the rent at that point so it made them it made them struggle there was a struggle behind it and it's also really hard watching a multi-million dollar production with successful actors talk about how how important it is to struggle for your art today when There is like huge housing crises and people are really struggling and they will take any work they can get. True. And every actor, you talk to them, they're all waiting tables. They're all doing construction. They're doing something. Doing whatever. Yeah. They can do to make money. are just scoff and are disgusted at the idea of doing their art for money. True. Or paying money or using money. But they're also all in their 30s. So it just makes it more problematic. That whole thing just doesn't age well and 
I find that very frustrating. As someone who, like, can sort of sing, I'd love to be paid to, like, act and do musicals or, like, podcast and make all the money or, like, or just do something creative. Like, I would absolutely love that. I uh, took a year off of school. I don't know if you even know this. I took a year off of school to just make it as a writer full time. I think you've told me that in like passing. Yeah. You've never actually told me the story of that. Yeah. So I took a year off, went as a writer full time. I sold one script and I was like, awesome. That's not nearly enough to live on. And then I was kind of realistic about it. And I still write. But then I went to school and I, you know, did that. I didn't really get a real job for quite a while, but still. I mean, if I could be paid to like, do musical theater i would take voice lessons i would do like all the things i had to do in order but it's so expensive in order to like do that i have to have a day job and that takes up most of my time this movie really conflates selling out with just existing in the actual world true i mean i guess technically we're both selling out because we have we have talents Mm mm-hmm but we can't do them full time. I mean, I'd love to coach cheerleading full time and get paid for it. Yeah. I would I would coach like eight teams if I could. Yeah. I would coach a team every single night of the week, but there is no money in that. And I think all of that works well because of the fan base of this movie. Yes. Uh so I unlike a lot of unlike all of the movies we've done so far, I actually talked to some people about it today. So I was at, having lunch at work. And just to one person at the table I was at, I said, like, have you seen Rent? And then everyone's ears perked up around the office. And um, my work is mostly um, women between the ages of 25 and 40. And I imagine everyone doing that line from the song, rent, 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 yeah, rent, rent. They all started saying that and they uh, they were snapping their I fingers imagine. and shimming on over to me. And throwing their arms out. But so it's a small sample size, but the majority of them really like it. And the majority of them all said the same thing. Oh, Rent, I loved it. When I was 15, I was so into it. When I was 12, I was really into it. Oh, I remember in high school, I loved it so much. And then you ask them, have you seen it lately? And they're all like, oh, I don't know if it'll hold up. The story plays best to that audience. Yeah. Because you're all about, yeah, rebellion, damn the man, Empire Records. And there's so many musical theater people who were, they thought this was their rebellion. Yeah. Like, sure, I'm a, I'm a theater nerd, but no, I'm badass. I like Rent. It has guitars in it. It has <laughs> AIDS and gay people. So I'm progressive so now. So progressive and cool. But then I don't think these things ring true not just because people have uh, like experienced the real world and know what it's like but when you're just not so full of angst when not everything is life and death the ideas of rent seem like kind of trite at times so i think that seeing it because i said last episode it's been it's been between five and ten years since i've seen it and i think that I picked up different things this time, and I think I found it emotional in different places. Do you think the things that you kind of latch on to now are more like the relationships between two people? I think so. And, That's what worked for me, for and sure. And the, the scariness of AIDS and yeah. the, like, because I feel like as like a young teenager, like I said, I was like 16 or 17 when I first saw it, I think that a lot of things went over my head. And I think that watching it as an adult now... I was brought into more the relationships between the two, like between two people, and um, 
the relationship of the whole group and how this huge, scary, oppressive thing is really beating down on all of them, but they're still managing to have, like, a light levity about them as a group. Mm-hmm. And they're doing everything that they can and to live like like there's no day but today, to, yeah. quote, to quote the the musical. And I think that there were parts of it that really... I got really emotional watching that I don't think I got emotional watching last time I watched it. I definitely think that's the strength of the movie. The heart it shows uh, in the face of AIDS, like a lot of the characters, the what mm-hmm. they demonstrate, and um, how their love kind of overcomes those things. Yes. That is what we should latch on to about this movie, and that's what I enjoyed about it. And this how whole part about struggling make... artists yeah. was annoying, really. But the, this part was great about it. And how they're trying to make everyone else's last days. Because they were saying yeah. in the um, the reprise of Seasons of Loves, they talk about how do you measure a last year on Earth. Yeah. And, and I that, think that, that line got to me. That really encapsulates the whole movie is that yes. they are trying to make their friends who are dying of AIDS, even if they're dying from AIDS, whoever is the person who is the point of view in that scene, They are trying to make their friends happy and have a really nice time and a really nice last year. Because at that point, we didn't know how long people would live. Yeah. Even on AZT or any of the drugs that they were coming out with. Not nearly as long as it is now, right? Because this is 89. It was... 89, 1990. There was like one success story at the time. Well, and that was the thing. They didn't know... Magic Johnson. (laughs) Yes. Um, They didn't know how long anyone was going to live. They knew this drug had worked on one person and they knew that one person or like a few, a handful of people had lived. So they were taking it thinking like maybe this will work, but also I don't know if I'm going to die tomorrow. Yeah. It seemed to me like, uh, of course I don't really remember how people thought of it in 89. Like we were, (laughs) we were babies. I was one. (laughs) But it seems to me like the people here, it's a life sentence. That's how they feel. And the fact that they're making the best of what they have was was pretty beautiful. It's true. Yeah. And that is that is kind of the more adult theme of mm-hmm. Rent, is making the most of what you have and trying to make every single day worth living. Yes. And I really, that really hit me watching it this time around. And I think that watching it when I was much younger, I didn't have the life experience or the, the like worldly knowledge to right. really latch onto that. So it was, it was a great musical at that time that I really enjoyed the songs. Most of the songs, like it was great. I could sing along. It was fantastic. I was in high school, and now I'm like, wow. Okay, so this actually has a really good meaning and feeling, and like it's pretty heavy but it's also very awesome yeah i definitely think that's where the movie's at its best that's what i loved about it but i did feel that too frequently it was undercut by like kind of selfish and almost annoying characters true um i assume that you're referring to like maureen or roger yes because a lot of their motivations weren't clear to me other than they're just being selfish like maureen how she acts at her engagement party that Uh, is also another one of my like favorite songs to sing at karaoke but it is also she is a terrible person during that scene yeah and also roger when mimi said she talked to benny and that they went out two years ago yeah roger breaks up with her 
Yeah, I feel like everybody's too touchy about stuff. There's like, no what, like you had a boyfriend at one point, so there is no he explanation. Dumps her, then she relapses and starts using heroin again because of this. So Benny takes her back. Yeah, after Benny Roger dumps her, is the one to go and comfort her, and not Roger. He sends her to rehab. Yes, to help her. Benny, good guy. Tay Diggs, Tay looking Diggs. out for people. Um, also a very good singer, which I did not realize. Yeah, because um, in things like Chicago, he doesn't really get to do so much. But no. yeah, he can sing. Uh, so yeah, so I think that he is doing good things for her, but Roger just dumps her. Yes, he's because like because she had a boyfriend. I once. can't believe you talked to him. I can't believe you went and tried to fix this for us. Like really, what she did was f- smooth everything over. Yes, and um. And Benny brought their stuff back and brought them a lease that said they could live there without rent. Yes. What more do they want? I don't know. I think that's real dumb. Yeah, it's very selfish. It is. And Roger doesn't really seem to understand that Mimi did this for him. Yes. And I think that if someone... <laughs> I think that if someone that I was involved with went and negotiated a no rent lease for me. If you go talk to one of your exes and it means that we don't have to pay rent, <laughs> I am down. I'll tell you that right no now. No matter what. Excellent. And if they pay me to make my bad movies, that's great too. I'll, I'll take it. I will look into my past and see what I can do. See who's super rich now. <laughs> None of them are super rich now. Um... But yeah, so I think that I think Benny doesn't get enough credit, right? Yeah. Like he is like he, these are his friends. He used to be a struggling artist and he really has a soft spot for these people. And I think that he needs to give him, be given more credit because he is going out and doing absolutely everything that he can for yeah, these people. But he's the villain. But he is still played as the villain. Yeah. And he's played by the villain because every character, we're told everything we need to know about them, usually within the first five to 30 seconds and as soon as benny gets on screen he says hey don't touch my range rover so we're like oh he's oh, a rich he's bad guy a dick. that's the only bad thing he does through the it's movie. True. but that's how it's set up everyone's set up like that and it's i get that it's fast but it seems super cheap and lazy how quickly when somebody walks in they say exactly their characters there was quite a few times which i think really annoyed you during the movie as soon as someone would say one line i'd be like oh this guy's going to blank 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 and you would be like no or something like that i mean you're always right and then i'd always be right (laughs) you're educated in movies (laughs) no but it's just it's so clear they just they often straight up tell you exactly what they're going to be like. And if not, the music cues or how they sing or how they're dressed shows you what they're going to be True. like. True. I think it annoys me because you're always, you're always right. I'll, I'll be wrong. And it's we'll just be like, this movie isn't exactly subtle, right? 30 minutes into a two-hour movie and you'll be like, okay, well, that person's that, that person's that, that person's <laughs> that. And I'm just like, can you like... Can you be wrong for a minute and just, like, watch the movie? <laughs> I'll, I'll be wrong a lot. It's okay. just this movie was was not subtle and doesn't, uh, it doesn't really keep you guessing. That's fair. I loved how Tom Collins looks like a nice dad. Like, so many of them, because they're, they're too old for, for yes. what they're playing. He looks like a really nice dad. Roger looks like a washed-up 80s rocker. He totally does. But... And how obvious things are is really clear, like, right at the beginning. When I was looking at it at the beginning, when it has these shots of New York, but it's mostly just sets, and how it's, like, grimy, and then, oh, he gets mugged right away. I thought that uh, it looked like how New York would be presented on, like, an Estonian soap opera or something, (laughs) 
where they're like, oh, I've heard of New York. It has a crime, right? Yeah. Back alleys, <laughs> sure. Just big warehouses full of homeless people. And it looked like extras from Demolition Man. But I don't know Demolition Man. Yeah, it's not important. Going back a little bit to the kind of uh, support group they have. Yes. I did like the bits they had there. And I liked how uh, Angel invited Mark along. Did you see... Um, Jessica Jones's boyfriend. This is okay. This is a roundabout. Remember in uh, Gilmore Girls? Yeah, I'm a very big Gilmore Girls fan. <laughs> we both are. Um, Rory's friend, who also plays Jessica Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I know people from other things, but I don't always know the actors. But she has a friend who plays Jessica Jones, and her boyfriend is has a song, and he's like an unnamed character, but he's the only unnamed character I think that has the song in this, and he was good. People out there will know who I'm talking about, so we can just move on. Oh, okay, perfect. <laughs> Kristen Ritter. Yes, Kristen. John Ritter's daughter. That's John Ritter's daughter? Yes. Jessica Jones? Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah, she was super young when he died, too. Huh. Um, she has a boyfriend who Rory meets on the dorm, and he's, like, passed out with no pants on or something. And then, uh, yeah, anyways, he's in Gilmore Girls, but he has a song in this, and he was quite good. I agree. I think that all the support group moments are really genuine and they really play to like making it a moment. The mm-hmm. whole the whole thing. It's not trying to tie into the rest of the movie. It's just very much the emotions that the actors are having at the moment. Do you have a favorite character in the movie? I think Angel and Tony are my favorite couple. Tom? Tom, sorry. But... I think I love Mimi just because she's like sassy and fun. So I didn't think I was going to like Mimi. When she starts off, it was too much. It was too over the top. It was very over the top. But then she actually gets a bit of an arc and I really liked her story. I think it was one of the best ones outside of outside of probably the Angel and Tom one. Yeah. Angel. Wow, we agreed on something. Yeah. Weird. Angel, <laughs> great in this. Yes. Did, did she kill a dog? Did she kill Benny's dog? She did. And then his For wife can't money. be there. See, that's that's pretty fucked up. But I think it's like she did it before the money because But they won't take they won't do what they love for money, but they'll kill dogs. I don't think Angel's one of those people. I think Angel She's more of the dog killing type. <laughs> I think Angel is very much an outside of this group. Like, she yes, knows all true. these people, but I don't think she's of the core group until Tom brings her in. She doesn't revel in her suffering like they do. No. I think that she... Yeah, that's true, because she has money a few times. She's out trying to, like, she, they... I always say she when she's in drag, and then when... It's true. She's in drag for most of the when movie. When he's bucket drumming, then I say he. He, yeah. So... <laughs> When Angel is out bucket drumming, um, it's very much he- that um, it's for money. Yes. And it's- Although sometimes just for his own enjoyment, because he's just doing it on the street by himself, and then it's he hears true. Tom coughing. It's true. <laughs> um, but I think that he's of a little bit of a different mind when it comes kind to of a money. Realist. I think that this is a person who has struggled a little bit more than these other people who have like families that they're just kind of running away from that's true and that kind of gets glossed over a bit of like 
how difficult it is to be I'd like to be to gay or trans and going through all this. In the early 90s with AIDS, mm-hmm. I think that is a story that I would really like to hear. And yeah. I kind of wish that Rent encapsulated that more within the story. I mean, Angel is a lovable character, and I, I think it's definitely Angel is one of my favorite characters. Yes. But I would like to know a little bit more. Yeah, it's tough because it's easy now in 2019 to criticize this because there's two gay couples. One breaks up because like, oh, the bi girl can't like settle on anyone. That's like an old trope. Uh, The other gay couple, he dies of AIDS. Yes. And it's easy now for us to go like, that's they're not portrayed terribly well. But I guess we just have to be happy that in 95, when this was like... In its heyday, that that existed. It's true. Because at the time, there wasn't much. It's true. When we think about all the GSA stuff that's going on right now and how, like, children are, like, trying to fight for their own rights, I feel like that's not a thing that happened back in the early 90s, late 80s. Definitely not out in the open, like... No. Although we are fighting against the less liberal people who might be in government, I think that we are a lot more liberal with our beliefs and thoughts and everything. Definitely. And I think that in the late 80s, early 90s, that was not a thing. And mm-hmm. I think it was very, very brave to be out and in drag or living how you felt authentic. For sure. And it's kind of like a, a double-edged sword that we have to realize, like, oh, yes, now a lot of things in this might be problematic but we can't also just go like, oh, that was for the time, so they're good for them. It's good to like also criticize things for no, like for what we know now to keep uh, keep people on their toes, keep them honest. Absolutely. Okay, I think we're kind of winding down, but I've I think we both have some notes. Do you want to just go back and forth with some like fun things that we noticed? Yes. Um, I have written down here. Did Angel kill a dog? But we already talked about that. Yes, um, Angel killed a dog. <laughs> Tom Collins was expelled from MIT for his theory? Yeah. They came up with a theory and they're like, no, we don't like that. So you're out of the school. So Tom Collins but, was apparently supposed to be like um, like a computer genius. Because at the end... Is he, it computers? Yeah. So at the end, he oh, reprograms an ATM yeah. in order to that was another thing give out down. free money. If you type in angel. In, if you type in angel. So they're also still just stealing, but whatever. That's cool. Um, yeah. So he was expelled from MIT, but then he's also a teacher at NYU. So I'm not sure if he was a student or a teacher, but yeah, that's odd. So one thing I thought was weird was that um, Roger couldn't write a song but he sang a song about not being able to write a song. Yes. Yeah, that's funny. Which was One Song Glory, which was about his dead girlfriend named April. And then oh, Mimi... Oh, we can talk about that. Yeah, so let's talk about dead girlfriend April. So he meets Rosario... Dar- Rosario... Dawson. So he meets Mimi. <laughs> and um, he says, oh, your hair reminds me of my dead ex-girlfriend. And that's like creepy already like i've seen people do that like oh you remind me of someone don't tell anyone they you don't tell anyone they remind you of someone it makes them think that they're a second sex with it's like if we had met and you were like 
oh, you remind me of this girl I want. You remind dated. me of someone I like a lot, so I guess I'll give you a shot. That's what it seems That's like. That's awful. Yeah. And I would also, definitely have been like, okay, so we're not talking anymore. <laughs> he said, your hair reminds me of hers. She's a redhead and Mimi's Rosario Dawson. So they, they don't like, look anything alike. Is she black? I'm, I'm not sure, but she's not a redhead. I'll tell no, you that. she is not. I really like Anthony Rapp, but I did not like him in this. And it really hurt me to say that because he was annoying, honestly. He's just filming everything. Anthony Rapp can sing for sure, but Mm -hmm. so I'm not blaming him. I don't think he did a bad job, but I really disliked his character and wish that he wasn't the audience's way into this movie. I would much rather be following like Tom Collins or someone. Oh, I wish... That Tom Collins was, because I want to see more of Tom Collins and Angel. I want to, yes. I want to see their whole story. I want to see their love story, and then I, I like, would love to see, um, like Mark and Roger and Joanna Marine in the background. I wanted to see where what happened to Mimi when she was missing. Interesting. I agree. Another scene that was kind of indicative of what I didn't like about this is the restaurant scene. Okay. So Lovey Bohem? Yes. So let's start off right at the beginning. They come in and the guy's like, hey guys, you can't come in anymore because you move all the tables, you don't buy anything and you stay here for hours. And which you is don't fair. Pay. Which is fair. And they don't pay. When they do order stuff. They order stuff and then ditch the bill. Yes. So it's fair. He's not the villain in this case. Also, that's ballsy for like showing back up to a restaurant that you don't pay at. And they say, oh, this time we have money. So he's like, okay, I guess. But just don't move the tables. Then they go and move all the tables and they act like assholes again. I think this scene is kind of unintentionally representative of how entitled these characters are. Yes. Because I think it's supposed to be like, oh, a nice funny thing. But it just shows you that they expect things for free constantly and they have no respect for other people or they're always gonna have someone to bail them out yes like i feel like we learned that a lot of them have like privileged parents who might always bail them out no matter what yeah and then we get the song which a lot of people think say is their favorite um it's about 17 minutes long i'm gonna say la vie bohème yeah <laughs> It's so long, and it's like a bad bohemian, we didn't start the fire. True. It's trying to be very much of its time. I know it was written by the original writer and not like some studio executive, but it plays to me like someone who was really out of touch with these types of people saying, oh, this is what a young artist like, Um, yoga, Kurosawa, and just throwing all these words and just making this big list, and it was very annoying. I didn't like the song at all. And really? I know uh, people are going to be angry about that, but it's not a good song. I think I'm a little angry about that. You just shout La Vie Bohème and then you list a bunch of stuff. That's the song. It's a good karaoke song. Oh, it would be it would be the worst. If someone did that at karaoke when I was around, I would throw things at them. I've done it's it like people who do We Didn't Start the Fire. It's like, <laughs> like uh, I also don't see the appeal of Billy Joel, so maybe I'm the wrong audience. Yeah, I don't. I have no opinions on Billy Joel. But well, he loves lists of stuff too. You'll probably like that. Well, you need to give me some things to download then. No, no, we're not <laughs> listening to any Billy Joel when I'm around. I'll tell you. No, that. I'll listen to it at work. It's fine. Yeah. Like I understand what you're saying about how like it seems very much like a studio executive 
or like producers um idea of what a bohemian artist person in new york in the late 80s early 90s would be but but i also really like the song um (laughs) and i don't know i just i enjoy the production that they do in the movie and not having seen it on stage but maybe we'll see it on stage did you love when they all jumped on the table and do like a freeze frame and go yeah and put their fists into the air like it's the end of a sitcom in the from the 80s maybe a little bit (laughs) (laughs) i love the cheese and i love the like well, if you if you love cheesy, then yes, I could see why why you would love that. I think that is a moment where you have to be a little bit less serious about film, and you have to just like enjoy the moment. I'm not being serious about film. I'm being serious about music. And if you're a musical, I feel like you can be critiqued on your music all day long. That's fair. We're allowed to have different opinions. That's the point of the podcast. Exactly. I really enjoy it because it's like a dancey, fun like. So I. I think you're allowed to have your own opinion. Am I? Yes. Nice. Um, but I think that I am also allowed to have my own opinion. I, I listened suppose. to the soundtrack of this the entire week when I knew that this is what we were doing this week. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the movie of the week. I re-downloaded it onto my phone and was listening to it. And I was in the hallway outside of my office listening to my headphones on a break. And... Um, like mouthing along with the words and just desperately wanted to be like singing out loud. Okay, here's my theory, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but if you listen to Rent while in high school and you ever sang La Vie Bohème with your friends, you're going to be like, that's an awesome song. It's great. If you're going to watch it for the first time now, you're going to think it's a terrible song. Maybe, but I still really enjoy it. At some point, we're going to do movies that I loved when I was like 14, and you won't be able to see the appeal. I'm going to have to try so hard to go, yeah, but when (laughs) I was 14, that was hilarious. (laughs) That's fair. That's totally fair. Thinking of you, early Adam Sandler. I just watched an an Adam Sandler movie this week with Jennifer Aniston, and it was fantastic. Oh, my God. I was about to say, they're probably, like, the old ones are good, but now he does those shitty Jennifer Aniston ones. (laughs) It was called Murder Mystery, and it's a Netflix movie. And I thought it was... I didn't think... If you didn't lose me at new Adam Sandler, I was definitely gone by the time Jennifer Aniston and a Netflix movie came around. Okay, well... (laughs) Maybe, well, if you like it so much, you should bring it and we'll do it on this podcast. Okay, well, we'll see. I'm very excited to do anything with Jennifer Aniston. I want to write a biography of her and call it, What's Her Appeal? (laughs) I love Jennifer Aniston. And so many people do. I'm definitely in the minority on this one. Is but, this like a two-hour podcast? Should we just be wrapping it up right now? I don't know. Um, everyone loves our podcast so much that we can go however long we want. I, I don't. I think <laughs> people are hanging on by their fingernails And right this now. is why there's two of us, because <laughs> I think everyone thinks it's awesome. On that note, should we um, should we wrap up? Do you have any last things to say? Um, I just would like to speak to the realism of like of like real life. If somebody burst into song and started singing about something, it would be real creepy. <laughs> true, true. 
especially some of the content that Rent sings about. I feel like if someone burst into song about like how much they love someone or how someone is dead or if they have AIDS or like unrequented love, I feel like I'd be a little creeped out. Yes. I feel like if most things in movies happened, it would be problematic. <laughs> That's fair. I just think that like musicals really take advantage of that. Yeah, and it's great because you it sets you up for that um, suspension of disbelief yeah, right away. You really and get you can, drawn in, and you can uh, uh, be more forgiving of a lot of other things. But in Rent, I felt like it didn't play by its own rules consistently, and that bothered me. After all this, I've complained about this movie for like an hour now. But in the end, I'm saying, I kind of like it. Good. Like, so I know yes. I'm being nitpicky. Yes. And I yes. and there's a lot wrong with the movie, especially. I'm sure I wish I would have been able to see it when I was 16 and see it live. But unfortunately, we have this movie now and it's not great. But I think it is able to pull some of what made it important and beautiful and iconic into this movie and we don't get all of it but we get some of it it's a soft thumbs up for me i saw you <laughs> i didn't mean my thumb soft it's not like a hum- gross don't all right well flaccid thumbs up don't say flaccid <laughs> i'm sorry so for if you want to tell us about how much you love rent and how wrong i am and every song is better than the last one because i feel like that's how rent fans kind of are uh, how can they get a hold of us? Uh, they can email us at I love this, you should, and the number two at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Instagram at ILTYS and the number two. Or you can find us on Facebook at I love this podcast. I don't think it's I love this podcast. Isn't it I love this, you should too podcast? Yes. That would make sense because that's the title of the yes. podcast subscribe and everything like that and leave us a review if you could because that i hear that really helps out rate review subscribe and uh join us again in one week because this comes out every monday Monday morning morning, somewhere around there we want to make the beginning of your week better with two hours of me complaining but at least it's not you complaining it is me complaining. No, I mean the person who's listening. To oh, it. you. You. Right, gotcha. Listener, at least it's not you complaining. Yeah, so uh, join us again next week where I am going to be presenting a movie to Sam. Who knows what it's going to be? I can't wait. Well, you have to wait. One week. Bye, everyone. Okay, I'm waiting now. Bye. You can just delete all that. That's fine. Okay. I'm going to get a little bit of wine.